welcome to Tour of Truth with Krista and Company. The company today is Chantel Lowe and Mary Cochran. And these are ladies that I meet each week for Bible study. And I am so excited that you guys are here with me on the podcast this morning. Thanks for having us, Krista. Yes. Thank you. We are so excited to be here. Well, and so as I was saying, these are wonderful women, friends of mine, that um, I meet with each week for Bible study, along with many others that we're going to introduce to you through several of the podcasts. And, and as we meet, what we found is that our group has grown so much spiritually together, and we have had such powerful conversations and seen where God has revealed himself through his word and is transforming you know, our lives. And these are powerful truths that we truly feel led to share with the world. So we're bringing our Bible study to the internet. We've been having um, a pre-discussion on being able to truly um, understand the Word of God in its fullness. And, you know, if we're going to understand His Word correctly, it has to be rightly divided. And if the Word can be rightly divided, that means that it also can be wrongly divided. There's a verse in 2 Timothy 2.15, and it says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In my heart right now, I have such a... I just have such a sense of how, as I read God's Word, realizing that in the churches today as a whole, it seems like it's gotten so watered down, that we've gotten so far from the true call to holiness, Mm -hmm. the true call to repentance, the true um, meaning of discipleship. Yes, God is love, you know, and God is love, and it's His loving kindness that draws us to Himself. That is a fact. But the reality is, God is so much more than just love. And that's what we learn through the scriptures. Um, And it's important that we do understand who he is. Mostly, I think, because Jesus himself said that I am the vine and you are the branches. And if a man remain in me, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, he can do nothing. But that verse goes on to say that a branch that does not bear fruit or a branch that does not remain in him is broken off and thrown into the fire. And so when we get to verses like that, ladies, you know, we have to look. You know, we have to, I don't want to ignore that, Mm -hmm. you know. No, absolutely. There are a lot of verses that I've come across in my uh, reading time that you just don't hear at church, or at least the churches that I had attended. I think a lot of people, they don't want to hear hard truth. They want to hear the kind of the feel-good scriptures. Mm -hmm. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, I love the way the Amplified Version states it. It says, For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction that challenges them with God's truth. But, wanting to have their ears tickled with something pleasing, they will accumulate for themselves many teachers, one after another, chosen to satisfy their own desires and to support the errors they hold, and will turn their ears away from the truth and will wander off into myths and man-made fictions and will accept the unacceptable. So that's kind of a long... A long way to say it, but basically the truth is, you know, people want their ears to be tickled. They want to hear something pleasing. They want to hear feel-good stuff, and they don't really want to hear those things that can be challenging from God's Word. You know, I always joke that I want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Absolutely. Because if you only have pieces of the truth, Mm -hmm. it's very easy to get caught in deception. And I think the, the Word of God really is our guard against deception. You know, I used to work in the bank, and so I was dealing with money all the time. And we would have instances where we had counterfeit bills that came in through people's deposits. And one 
uh, client that we had in particular, he was a cash-only business, so he always had a lot of cash in his deposits. And his employees were instructed for any time they got a $20 bill or higher, they had one of those handy-dandy little counterfeit markers that they would put on the bill. And so sometimes we would have his deposits and we would find a counterfeit bill in there and he would always be so discouraged because he felt like he was doing what he could to guard against this with his little counterfeit markers. But, you know, sometimes it was a $10 bill that was a counterfeit. Now, you know, not as bad to get ripped off with $10 as it would be to get ripped off with $50, but who wants to be cheated at all, right? Who wants to be deceived at all? Now, I've seen some good counterfeits in my banking career <laughs> and I've seen, you know, some bad counterfeits. One of the things that people did at one point where they were taking $1 bills and they would bleach, bleach it out and they would print a higher denomination on it. So oh, wow. they would print like a 50 or a 100. So when you take your little counterfeit marker and you put it across the bill, there's no signs of it being a counterfeit because the paper... It was so close the to the original. Genuine. It, right. it is real currency, but the value Meant was nothing. not correct. Right. The value, it was a deception. It was a counterfeit. And so there are times that we see things in the Bible that, you know, we see things where it appears that both are true. You know, it tells us in Ephesians that we're saved by grace through faith. Right. But we're told in James that faith without works is dead. Well, which one is it? Is it A or B? And it's both. The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. You know? Right. So we see things in Romans 11. It tells us, notice how God is both kind and severe. You know, so there are a lot of different instances where we need to be able to interpret scripture in the light of other scripture. When Jesus was being tempted by Satan in the wilderness, Satan quoted Psalm 91 to him, right? So there it is. You've right. got your cherry picking scripture. And he says, jump off for it is written. Right. He quoted Psalm 91. And Jesus responded, yeah, but it is also written. And he quoted Deuteronomy 6.16. So we need to have the truth, the whole truth. Yeah, absolutely. But the truth. Well, and how deceptive yes. is that? The truth mixed with a lie. And that is actually what I think has happened with the doctrine within the church to a large degree is that we have a lot of people that are taking the truth of God's word, maybe not even knowingly um, twisting it to fit a message, you know, which really, that's what Jesus was talking about when he talked about the leaven and the bread. A little bit of something wrong ruins the whole batch, you know? And so that, that's exactly what happens also when we go tampering with what God intended to say. And so that is why we have to rightly divide his word so that we understand it. If you're not reading something in context, Meaning that, you know, don't just read a verse here and there. Read the entire chapter so you understand what was actually happening, who was being spoken to, you know, then you'll miss the point. For instance, you know, I remember sitting in a service once and hearing the pastor tell the entire congregation, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And he stopped right there. And for a lot of people that don't read their Bible, that sounds great, and it is actually a scripture, and it does sound great, and it's a it's absolute truth, except for the fact after. that there's a comma right there <laughs> yeah. and not a period, Absolutely. and that wasn't even the end of the verse. It wasn't even that it went into another verse. It was still in the same mm -hmm. verse that he should have continued to read, which yeah. says, if you read it all together, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, mm -hmm. comma, to those who walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Because we know that Scripture tells us that if we walk according to the flesh, that we'll reap destruction, that we'll die. And that will reap life if we walk according to the Spirit. So then we have to get into Scripture and figure out, okay, what does it mean then to walk according to the Spirit? 
you know? Yes, and it all comes down to the Word of God. And I think, just like you said at the beginning, you said that it's important to read the whole chapter or that we read things in context. I'm so grateful for all the cute little devotionals that we have these days where it, or we can meditate on one verse and all of that I think is great. But one of my pastors used to talk about quantities of time equals quality time. You know, sometimes when people talk about spending time with their kids and they're neglecting their kids, but when they do hang out with them, they take them to Disney World and it's all this spectacular stuff. And he's like, no, quantities of time equals quality time. And I think it's the same with us in the scripture. We really need to take it as a whole and uh, to understand it that way. There's no place I'd rather be. You know, there's a verse that says, better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. And I love the fact that that has become true for me. Like, I, I can't wait. And I know Mary and Chantel, you're the same way. You know, we talk about this, just how amazing it is to just be in the presence of the Lord, spending that one-on-one time, you know? And to find joy in maybe a circumstance that other people see you in and think, how she just went through this, how can she have joy? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a miracle in itself. It is, you know, and I know you're looking at me right now. So I, for those of you who don't know, I recently lost my daughter and um, who was 18 years old unexpectedly. And it's devastating. It is devastating. And, you know, I'll, I'll miss her every single day. But the reality is, that is what I was able to experience going through this tragedy that I that I've have you know been faced with is that God has been faithful to me that He showed up to comfort me and that He was everything He has been everything He promised He would be to me because I have depended on Him fully and you know for me the experience even though I'm missing her I have a confident hope that I'll be with her again you know the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7 1 that better is the day that we actually die than the day we were born because we can't even fathom what's on the other side for us but his word is truth you know and we can trust that he has good things planned for us so I know we went down a rabbit hole there but I love it and that's always (laughs) been the burden on my heart that I think gosh people that don't know this truth right they have nothing to believe in when they are devastated in their life and it makes me so sad to think that maybe someone has lost someone and has no knowledge or faith or belief that there's something greater than this earth and that has always been a uh, burden in my heart for people right I want people to know that there is something greater and more beautiful you know that they can actually have a personal relationship with the king of the universe I don't think people... Right, that it's not just words on a page, that it is a real relationship with a real person. Yes. Right. And he will pursue you. Yep, absolutely. And that's the beautiful part of it, is Mm -hmm. that that is what he does. And, you know, and I think that that's the key to part of this conversation is the fact that um, we don't have an understanding of his word without the revelation of his Holy Spirit, that it is only when we become a child of God that we can read the scripture and have it come alive. Because it says in the word that the word of God is foolishness to those who are perishing, that they can't even understand it. The carnal mind can't grasp what his word is telling us because the Bible says that it has to be spiritually discerned. And it's true. You know, it's like a light bulb comes on. And even even as a child of God, you know, Mary and I were talking earlier about, you know, as you read scriptures that you've read a hundred times before, and then all of a sudden, one day you're reading it again, and something like new. It comes off the page. Yeah, it's like, how did I miss that? And God shows you something else, even. 
Yeah, you know, you said it, there, it's not just words on a page. And what I hope people understand is that the Word of God is the power of God. And we are shown that time and time again in Scripture. Uh, Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Can we back up, though, for one second? Because mm-hmm. you're, you're on the absolute right track with that. But the starting point that I feel like I don't want listeners to miss is, I think it's John 1, 1, that says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And then it goes on to say that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, so that it became Jesus. The Word is God. That's why the Word is all-powerful. Well, I was just going to say in 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says, I know very well how foolish the message of the cross sounds to those who are on the road to destruction. But we who are being saved recognize this message as the very power of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper (laughs) than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. You know, it tells us in James to humbly accept the word that God has planted in our hearts, for it has the power to save your soul. So, The Word of God, from cover to cover, it's not just words on a page. It is the power of God at work. And that's why His Word says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God, because God has promised to do all that He said He would do. And He says that my Word will not return void. So when He sends it out through His people, speaking it, over these microphones, whether it's on a pulpit, whether it's talking to a friend or a neighbor, when you are speaking the word of God, he promises that it will not return void, that in some way that a seed is being planted, something is happening. Because people don't naturally seek God on their own. You know, that's the interesting thing we were we were learning in the study that we're doing right now is, um, you know, the Bible says that not one seeks God. No one. No one is righteous. None of us have that in our natural heart to seek him. So that when somebody is actually questioning things of God or thinking about God, it is because the Holy Spirit is drawing them that he is pursuing. It is amazing. And that, you know, one of the verses we were talking about, John 6, 44, Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And for me, when that was one of those scriptures that I don't know how many times I've read over that. And then a couple years when I was reading through John, that scripture jumped off the page at me because that is the scripture that made it personal for me. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have struggled with rejection. That seems to be like something that I have struggled with just throughout my whole life. And when it comes to my salvation and becoming a child of God, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And so in some ways, it almost felt like I got in on a group deal. You know, (laughs) yep, God has to accept me because he died for the whole world and I'm part of the world, you know. (laughs) And so it's like if you receive an invitation, you know, to a party, all are welcome, you know, you know that you're an all, so that means you. But when you get a personal invitation, it means a lot more. It makes you feel like you're wanted there, right? you know. And so people would always say, if you were the only person in the world, Jesus would have went to the cross for you. And that's great and everything, but I've, I've never read that in the Bible. Maybe it's in there. I, I just can't tell you what verse that is. But I can tell you that John 6, 44 says that no one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent him draws him. And I've come unto Jesus, and that is what that was my personal invitation because I know that I didn't just get in on a right. big deal. Yeah. The Father pursued me. That was a personal invitation. He came after me. He left the 99 and he came after me. There's scripture in the Old Testament that was talking about when the Lord was 
so angered by the wickedness and the sin in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he was going to destroy it. And Abraham was arguing with God, not arguing, I guess reasoning with God and asking him, you know, but Lord, you know, wait, would you destroy the city if there was righteous people in it? He says, what if there's 50? What if they find, what if you find 50 righteous people? Will you spare them? And he said, yes, I'll spare them for 50. And then, you know, Abraham's thinking, well, you know, just in case there's not actually 50. What if, well, what if there's 40? Would you spare it for 40? And he comes back again, but Lord, what if there's 30? And then finally he's like, oh, fuck. Please forgive me for continuing to ask, but what if there's 20? And then finally, Lord, uh, I'm here one more time. Um, What if there's just 10? And he said, Abraham, if there's only 10... I would spare it, you know? And so that's, that is along those same lines of what you're saying is God is so compassionate and merciful and so personal that even for 10, even for one, that he will, his loving kindness is there just for you and that he would have gone to the cross just for you. That is honestly, like, I don't even know how we like comprehend that. And that's what I think people lose today with following Christ, they have this picture of him being all-powerful, which he is. God is all-powerful. But the personal uh, relationship and relating to him, a lot of people are like, there's no way. There's just no way that he can be that loving. He's he's probably the the God that's going to condemn me and, you Mm -hmm. know, he's going to discipline us. But I think that we're losing that in the world today as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is. It's a balance of the gospel. You know, there are people that need to be drawn with loving kindness. But the balance part says that there's also, it says, save some by pulling them out of the fire. Like, re- let them know. We're touching on so many things today, but I think it's important. We could probably talk about this till the cows come home. We'd mm-hmm. be here for hours. But, you know, just to get a couple more points out, the fear of the Lord is something that nobody wants to talk about the fear of the Lord because people don't want to fear anything these days. You know, we don't have a reverence for our president. We don't have a reverence for um, government. We don't have a reverence really in this society much for much of anything anymore. And so when we talk about fear, people are like, don't talk to me about the fear of God. I only want to talk about the love of God. But the reality is the Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You know, there's multiple scriptures and we'll save that for another day and, and not to like harp on the fear of God, but it's an important thing because it's like the reverence of a ch- that a child has towards their parent, you know, and the only reason that you would have that is because you know your parent loves you and your parent wants to protect you and keep you safe and you trust them. And that's the relationship that he wants us to have. And it's a healthy fear. It's not a fear like the world has, you know, because he, he even tells us that I haven't given you the spirit of fear. I've given you the spirit of love, joy, and a sound mind. And when he says, I haven't given you the spirit of fear, that means you aren't to fear man and what man can do to you because I am with you and I will not forsake you. And he says, if I am for you, who, who can be against you? And is my arm shortened? I, there's nothing that's impossible with God. That is my confidence. It really is. And, and from a young person, you know, I believed what the Bible said and I firmly rooted myself in those promises and they've proven true in my life. They really have. I've had rocky times, you know, ups and downs and valleys and I've had to learn and grow up myself, but God has been faithful. He is everything he said that he is and he has shown me that. That is awesome and I love what you said about being rooted in the word. Um, You know, when I think about the roots of a tree, 
one of the things that the roots do is to draw up nourishment for the tree to, to grow and thrive. And another thing that they do is to anchor the tree so that when the strong winds come that it's not blown over. And in the first psalm, it tells us, Oh, the joy of those who, and it says, do not do this or that. And then in verse 2 it says, But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. So I think when we are rooted in the Word of God, that's the key to us, to prospering in life and to, to bearing fruit in every season, you know, because we can't bear fruit on our own. If, if our roots are not good, our fruits will not be good. Right. There is a lot of confusion within, you know, the Christian faith about the law of God, you know, because there's a lot of people that believe that the Old Testament no longer applies, mm -hmm. that it's just thrown out entirely. That he was different back yeah, then. Yeah, that he's different back yeah. then. And what's the verse that says, I am the same yesterday, today? Yeah, and, and, and forever. forever. That he's a rock, he changes mm -hmm. not, God mm -hmm. is the same. But the, but the bigger verse, I think, with regard to God's law is the fact that Jesus said when he came, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. And he said that not one jot and not one tittle will be removed from the law until heaven and earth have passed away, that all of these things will be fulfilled. And so that is where we've got to diligently get into these scriptures and search them for the truth. You know, there's a, a verse that talks about in Thessalonica, and it talks about the Berean Jews who were of more noble character because they searched the scriptures every day when Paul was coming about teaching them, and they were searching to see if what Paul said was true. That is what, and it, the Bible is telling us that those people were of more noble character because that's what we should be doing. That's why he says, seek out your own salvation. This is a big deal, people. Yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah. You know, we all agree we're not getting out of here alive, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it tells us in Hebrews that we do have a better covenant that is based on better promises. Right. You know? And so I'm very thankful, you know, it tells us that, uh, God himself found fault with the first one and has put it aside and that we have a new covenant. But I want to stop right there, though, because he says he found fault with the first one, but it wasn't a fault with the covenant. It was a fault with the people because they didn't yet have a righteous heart. So he said, I will put his new covenant was the fact that he's going to put a new heart in us and turn our heart of stone uh, into a heart of flesh put his spirit within us. And it says in that verse, sorry, that's my coffee machine. <laughs> it says in that verse that because he would put this new heart in us and his spirit inside of us, that it would enable us to keep his laws. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. He has definitely, he has set us up for success. Yes. Um, so there are some differences between the old and the new covenant. Like we, we don't have to slaughter a bunch of animals anymore. Praise God. <laughs> yes. You know? But I, I'm not part of the group that says throw away the Old Testament because that's like two-thirds of our Bible right, right there, you know? Like the majority of it is the Old Testament. And I've even heard some people go as far as when you even read in the Gospels where Jesus was walking the earth and teaching his people. They're like, well, he hadn't gone to the cross yet. And I'm like, okay, so we're going to throw out the Old Testament. We're going to throw out the Gospels. We're going to throw out Revelation because, you know, that's in the future. We're left with this teeny tiny bit. Like, I don't think so. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3 that all Scripture is inspired yep. by God. And in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, it says, Now these things happened to them, talking about the people in the Old Testament, as an example and a, here's that word that we were talking about earlier, warning to us. Right. They were written for our instruction to admonish and equip us 
upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And so these things were written down for us to warn us and to equip us. And yes, some of the stuff in there does not apply. I can eat bacon now, you know, thank God, and all that other <laughs> stuff. But absolutely, um, we need to take the whole the whole truth and nothing but nothing the truth. Nothing but the I truth. Like say that again. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to just... Um, elaborate a little on your point with that the new testament wasn't even around until the fourth century so the new the early church didn't even have the new testament all they were teaching was the old testament yes and a lot of times when jesus was correcting the pharisees what did he say he said your problem is that you don't know the scriptures or the power or the power of god that's right and so like that was a problem if they didn't know the scriptures because they were searching the scriptures to find salvation in them, but he, they didn't have the relationship with him. So they couldn't understand it because they were void of the relationship. Yes, he said, the, right. the scriptures point to me. And, you know, that's another problem that we have when we have a group of people who are getting all of their spiritual food only from their pastors on Sundays. Right. Because they're getting everything secondhand. You know, it's almost like, is it the birds that choose things, choose things <laughs> up and put them into the baby? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's great if you're a baby, you know, Christian, but we are called to maturity. And so, you know, there's a point where Paul's like, please tell me we don't have to go over the basics of Christianity again. He yeah. Said, you guys should be mature enough that you should be teaching other people. You know, the, the way we get to know people is we, we sit and we talk with them, right? Right. I mean, I could never get to know you if you chose not to speak to me, you know? I might talk to Chantel about you, and Chantel can tell me some things that she knows about you, and I can have an idea about who Krista Smith is, but if you're not going to share your heart with me, there is a level of intimacy that I could never experience with you, and I feel like that's the way it is when we go, you know, we can go to church, and our pastor can tell us about the revelation he's received, or he can tell us about Jesus, but if we're going to have that relationship with him, then we need to be able to spend time with him. And when we pray, a lot of times, that's our heart that's being shared. Mm-hmm. Well, when do we hear the Lord's heart in his word that he's given us? Right. You know, that's him speaking to us. If you want to get to know God, you have to open up your Bible. And there's a beautiful song that says, the more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. And that is the beautiful cycle that will happen for anybody who decides, I want to know God and I want to know his word. You will open up his word and you will seek him and you will find him and it will cause you to fall more in love with him and it will cause you to fall more in love with his word. And and it's really like an effortless transformation. You know, the Bible tells you to let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, the transformation of your mind, and that's going to come through the Word of God. And so we have to get to the point where we believe the Word of God is truth, and it is the highest truth. Right. You know, we deal with laws of gravity, right? But there is a law of lift and thrust that can supersede the law of gravity. And that's how it is with the Word. You know, we, we might be dealing with things, physical truths, physical circumstances, but we have the Word of God, which is actually a higher truth. It doesn't matter if it doesn't look like that in our lives. We have to get to the point where we say, God, I trust you. If your word says it, I'm standing on it. And I believe a lot of times faith is really just that simple of making that decision. But right. you really need to make the decision that the Bible is the final authority. He will reveal himself to you if you pursue that personal relationship. That right. I think a lot of people do not think that they can have. Jesus told us in Mark, he said, then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I, I want understanding. It says, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, 
more understanding will be given, but for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is profound. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is an important, that's a great warning. I mean, it is because what you just, what I heard you say there is that you might think you know something, but if you're not actually pursuing God, if you're not in the, his word, and this isn't important to you, even what you have will be taken away. And we need to have that teachable right. spirit when we go to the word to say, we're not going to interpret the word according to our circumstances. Right. We're going to interpret our circumstances according to the word because that's the final authority. That's it's the highest truth. Right, right. Mm -hmm. right. Well, ladies, this has been an amazing morning. You know, I think that the point that we're trying to drive home here comes down to the fact that everyone wants a Savior, but, but you know, we have to decide if we want a Lord, and He wants to be the Lord of our lives. And for me, I say yes. <laughs> Mary, would you mind praying for us today? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for the love that you have for us. I thank you that you do pursue us and that you've drawn us unto your son, Jesus. Thank you so much for your word. You've given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, and you've equipped us with everything, even faith, to believe in you. And, uh, we just thank you for the great care that you take with us. Your word says that not one sparrow falls to the ground without you knowing about it, and that we are far more valuable to you than a whole flock of sparrows. I thank you that you've numbered the hairs on our head. You knit us together in our mother's womb, and I thank you that you have a plan for our lives. Lord, we ask that you would just help us to live a life that is honoring and pleasing to you. We all long to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And we just love you. We love you for who you are. We love you for what you've done. And we love you for everything that you have planned. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah. So thank you again for listening. And if you'd like to hear future podcasts or listen to previous ones, you can find us at touroftruth.com. You can find us as well on Facebook. And we will look forward to chatting with you guys again soon.